Our scripture text for today is found in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first Easter, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came that day. So the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas this time was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and again said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Not all moments in our lives are created equal. Some moments in our lives are more pregnant with meaning than other moments. Some moments in our lives become more defining moments for who we are. Today, we're going to be looking at an episode from the life of the so-called doubting Thomas. We pick up the story on the night after Jesus was raised from the dead. The disciples are in a room with locked doors. The text tells us they are fearful because of the Jewish religious leaders. They're afraid they too will be arrested and punished. But even though the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly is there with them in that room. And Jesus says to them, Peace or shalom be with you. This is the first time that we can tell in the Gospels when Jesus came among his disciples. These were the same disciples who had all fled and abandoned Jesus when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And of course, only John, the disciple John, was there at the cross. All of the other disciples, all of the others gathered in this room on this day had abandoned, deserted 
Jesus in his time of greatest need. But the first thing Jesus says to them is not a word of rebuke, but a word of peace, shalom, peace be with you. And then Jesus gave to his followers the ministry of forgiveness, and Jesus sent them out into the world, but first he empowered them with his own spirit, with his own presence, as he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit, the spirit they would need to be the body of Christ, the proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ in the world. It was a remarkable day that those disciples had there that day in that room when Jesus appeared on the evening of the resurrection. But as the text tells us, Thomas was not there. I've often wondered where Thomas might have been. Perhaps Thomas was still in the midst of his grief and he could have been one of those people that needed to be by himself in his grief. We all grieve differently. Some people want people around them when they grieve. Some people want to be isolated and by themselves when they grieve. Perhaps Thomas had chosen to go away and be by himself in his grief after the death of his master, Jesus. So Thomas was not there when Jesus appeared to his disciples the night after the resurrection. But the disciples all told Thomas that they had seen Jesus. And Thomas refused to believe what the other disciples were telling him. I am, I am so appreciative of Thomas. When you look at the episodes from the life of Thomas as they're recorded in the Gospel of John, the only gospel that gives us episodes from the life of Thomas, I learned that Thomas asked really good questions. Evidently, Thomas has had an inquiring mind. In the 14th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, when they're there in the upper room on the night of the betrayal, the night before the crucifixion, and Jesus is talking about going away and coming again to receive them to himself, it is Thomas who asked the question, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And I'm so glad Thomas asked that question because it is in response to that question that Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So I'm very appreciative of Thomas. He had an inquiring mind. He asked good questions. It really is a shame that throughout the history of the Christian community, the adjective doubting has come to be affixed to Thomas's name. And he did start in doubt after the resurrection. We read that in the text. He started with that great skepticism, but he got beyond those doubts. You know, church, we live in an age of skepticism. We doubt almost everything. About the only thing we don't doubt is our doubts sometimes. We elevate our doubts to being an authority, perhaps the authority in our life. And it's okay to start with doubt, start with skepticism, ask the right questions. 
inquire, seek, but hopefully we can get beyond our doubt to belief. That's what we see happening in Thomas's life. He started out doubting the veracity of the resurrection, but he got over that doubt. It happened a week later. A week later, a week following the resurrection, Jesus appears again in that room with the locked doors. And at that point, he showed Thomas his hands and his side, his hands through which nails had been driven, his side that was pierced by the sword during the crucifixion. It's remarkable how when we see Jesus here in his post-resurrection appearances, that there's something remarkably the same about Jesus. You can see his scars from the crucifixion. But there's also something remarkably different about Jesus. He could appear in the rooms without going through the locked door. That's the implication in John's gospel. So there's something remarkably the same, something remarkably different about Jesus after the resurrection. Perhaps this gives us a hint as to what our resurrection bodies will be like. We will still be who we are. In some ways, we will bear a striking resemblance to our lives, our bodies here on this earth. But in some ways, we will be remarkably changed, remarkably different. So, Jesus showed doubting Thomas, doubting at this point, the scars on his hands and the scar on his side. And at that point, perhaps Thomas realized that this was Jesus. This was the representation of God in human history. This was proof that God had rather go through hell for Thomas than live in heaven without Thomas. And at that point, Thomas recognized and realized and received the living Christ. And at that point, we come to the climax of the Gospel of St. John. I believe the climax of the Gospel of St. John is when we hear Thomas here in chapter 20, verse 28, saying to Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's one of the strongest affirmations of the deity of Christ that we find in the New Testament. My Lord and my God. The text doesn't tell us that Thomas was kneeling before Jesus, but I picture Thomas kneeling there before Jesus when he gives one of the greatest affirmations in the New Testament. My Lord and my God. Thomas started out in skepticism and doubt, but Thomas got over that. Thomas experienced the risen Lord. Thomas got over his doubting. He was no longer a doubting Thomas, and he became a passionate, passionate believer. We don't know from the New Testament, but according to church history, church tradition, Thomas went east to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. According to the church father Eusebius, 
Thomas made his way all the way to Parthia, according to the church father Jerome. He made his way to Persia, according to an early Christian document entitled The Acts of Thomas. Thomas made it all the way to India. And today, if you travel through India and encounter the Christian community of India, they will tell you that they trace their heritage back to the evangelist Thomas there in their land. And according, at least to church tradition, it was there in India where Thomas gave his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he was murdered as a martyr for the cause of Jesus Christ. You notice too in this text that the text that I read for you a few moments ago ends with Jesus saying to Thomas, to the other disciples there in the room, and to us, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who do not see me during this 40-day period following the resurrection, but still yet believe that he is alive, still yet believe in the living Christ. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. At this point in the gospel, Jesus is talking about you and me. Blessed are those people who have not seen but have yet come to believe. I hope that you are one of those that have come to believe. In the Gospel of John, to believe does not mean to accept or to assent to a certain set of doctrine. Believe means to trust. I hope that you believe in Jesus Christ. You trust Jesus Christ in life and in death. You trust that Jesus is who Jesus says that he is. You trust that Jesus did what Jesus says that he has done for us. You trust that Jesus will do what Jesus says he will do for us. Jesus gives eternal life. And eternal life is not just a gift from God. Eternal life is the gift of God given to us when God through the power of the living Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, comes and lives within us. That's what it means to believe. When I was 18 years old, I came to faith in Christ belief in Christ as a living presence in the world and in my life. When I was 18 years old, I went away to a retreat with a group of college students. And while I was away on that retreat with those college students, when I was 18 years old, they acted as if Jesus was right there with them, right there in their life. And it was over the course of that weekend that I opened my life, opened my heart, opened my mind to receive. And I did receive an experience of the living Christ. It's one thing to cognitively know that Jesus is with you. It is something else to know in the depth of your being, at the center of your heart, and in your emotional life, 
that Jesus is with you. I hope that all of us continually live feeling the affection of God for us. I remember when I came to believing in the living reality of Jesus Christ, there was a popular song, a little chorus that was being sung at that point. I tried to discover who wrote this chorus, but all, all that I read says it is anonymous. Several people have set it to different arrangements of music. But the chorus simply says, He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That was the earliest Christian confession. We learned that in Paul's writings. The earliest Christian confession being Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice the earliest Christian confession is not Jesus Christ was Lord. It's not Jesus Christ will be Lord. It is Jesus Christ is Lord. The powerful present there was a lot that I did not know about the Christian faith when I received the living Christ when I was 18 years old. There's a lot about the Christian faith I don't know still yet. But when I was 18 years old, and I still believe it today, I just come to the realization that I want my knee to bow. I want my tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is not only Lord of the universe, but Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, sovereign master of my life. That was the best, smartest decision I ever made. And I, I hope that today you're in that category of those who have not seen, but yet you believe. I hope that today you have come to experience Easter. I hope that today you have come to experience the reality of the power, the presence of the indwelling Christ in your life. Then Easter will birth peace in your spirit. Would you pray with me? Great God of heaven, for the gift of this time today, we give you thanks. I pray, God, that everyone listening to my voice will open their lives to perhaps get beyond their doubts and embrace the living Christ. We are so grateful that the grave could not hold him, but that he lives still yet today through the power of his spirit in the midst of his people. We are so grateful that still yet today, this Jesus is speaking peace into our lives. And this Jesus who is Lord can bring to reality what he speaks. So, great God, we offer our lives to you through Jesus Christ. Come 
rule and reign as Lord. Amen.